Thank you for joining us today for The Central Word, a podcast ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. Today's episode is from the morning message of January the 15th and will be preached by Brother Ryan Smith, who is also the Assistant Administrator for the Texarkana Baptist Children's Home. In this message, Brother Ryan gives us an overview of the ministry of the Children's Home And uh, we also will have the opportunity to give a special offering to them at the close of the service. But here now is Brother Ryan Smith talking about the Texarkana Children's Home as well as preaching from Hebrews chapter 10. just want to make sure the church is reminded that you guys asked me to come, okay? I didn't, uh, I didn't ask for the opportunity, though I'm very blessed by it. So, uh, But I am the assistant administrator at the Texarkana Baptist Children's Home, and, and uh, what I do is I actually uh, travel around and I promote the work. Uh, as some of you may know through Miss Chris, uh, we don't take any funds from the government. We don't do anything like that. Uh, We are fully funded just by donations and uh, things of that nature. And so uh, going around and and presenting the work is uh, not just, uh, it's not just profitable as far as uh, prayers go, uh, but also for monetary value. Uh, Now that doesn't mean that every time I go somewhere that, uh, you know, an offering is taken up for that. Although I do know that an offering has been taken up uh, and and I do uh, very much appreciate that. Uh, That being said, though, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about it. Maybe you don't know anything about it at all. Um, I know it's been a while since uh, Miss Chris has uh, uh, been here to talk about it, but uh, nonetheless, I'm just going to treat it as if it's a new thing. Is that okay with everybody? All right. Currently, right now, we have uh, we have nine kids right now, but as of uh, Friday we got word that we're going to be taking on uh, six more kids. Uh, It's a sibling group of six. Uh, Keep these six in prayer. Uh, We are very well aware of these six. Uh, They have been with us before. Um, That's not a good thing. It's not a good thing at all. Uh, I'll just just tell you the the quick story of it. When we first uh, received these children... The youngest one was four years old, and uh, she was about to turn five. She had to have 13 extractions done in, uh, of dental work. Uh, and the situation goes as this. It's not that, uh, it's not that mom couldn't afford it. Uh, it's just mom wasn't taking them to the dentist. Uh, it's not that mom couldn't afford uh, proper food. Mom was just spending it on other things. Um, it's an unfortunate situation, and, and that's just her. Uh, in all, I, I, in all, I think one of the other children had to have five extractions done. I think one, another one had to have three. If we were to just add it all up, the number is ridiculous, honestly. Um, and so during the COVID time, we had them during COVID, uh, DHS said that, uh, you know, because of uh, lack of... Uh, people to take these classes because of lack of um, employees, uh, we're only going to require you to go through half the courses. Um, that's not good. Children deserve the best that we can, that we can provide for them. Um, so naturally, the kids went back to mom, and uh, within a week, we were getting calls already that kids were missing their appointments. And 
it's no surprise to us that uh, they're back with us. But, you know, we're thankful for it. We're thankful that we're able to uh, bring them back and minister unto them. Uh, I'm thankful to say that uh, four out of the six were saved before they left us the first time. So perhaps this is going to be the opportunity to get six out of six, right? I mean, we don't want to talk about numbers, but let's get them all, let's get them all saved. Let's get them baptized. Let's, let's, let's disciple them. That, that's one of the things that we need to do. So we look forward to that. That will be taking place on the 19th. Uh, keep one of our girls in prayer. She is 18 years old, 10 feet tall, and bulletproof. And uh, she feels that she can uh, make it out uh, uh, living with her family. And uh, like I said, please keep her in prayer because uh, the reason why she hadn't moved in with her family before is, well, because they were unable to uh, qualify as a safe home. Um, but now that she's 18, she's moving out on her own, uh, and she's going to her grandparents' house. And uh, I would ask that you just continue to keep her in prayer. She's only a junior in high school right now. Um, statistically speaking, um, I'd probably say uh, 50% of those that leave early never graduate. So please keep her in prayer. Uh, the good thing about our home, though, is the kids that we have there currently right now, every one of them accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And we're very thankful for it. Baptizing is a little bit different. Um, we have to have permission from, from the family to do so. And uh, there's some parents that say absolutely not. There's some parents that say absolutely. Uh, there's some that we actually would have full custody over. And uh, if they want to be baptized, guess what we're doing? We're dunking them. We are. Uh, and we're thankful for that. So uh, I'm, I am excited for the future of our kids. We have a number of kids that are doing extracurricular activities uh, uh, even now. Um, we know that uh, one of our boys really wants to get into trap shooting. He never shot a gun in his entire life. And uh, we decided to take him out, just do some trap shooting, just to see how he would do. Uh, I'm not saying that he's great at it. I'm just saying that he probably hit about 12 out of 20 first time. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. So he wants to do some, some things like that. Uh, one of our kids is involved in ROTC. Another one is involved in a drama class. And I'm not talking about, you know, gossip drama. They're actually acting. And boy, that you can kind of say the same thing, couldn't you? Uh, it's an extracurricular class at school, okay? Uh, she's involved with that, and she's very excited about it. We have a young man that's learning how to play violin, and so we do have headphones at our jobs all the time. Uh, and, but it's a blessing. He does a really good job with it. Uh, Brother Dwight, I want to let you know that um, uh, we, we took our kids out hunting as well. And uh, uh, un, unlike, unlike you, from what I understand, they didn't hit anything. Didn't you, didn't you just get one? She got one? You got one? You got Bambi? <laughs> Everyone knows where I'm going. Congratulations. You know how old I was when I first shot my first one? N no, it hadn't happened yet. <laughs> Although I will say this. The first time we did take our boys out, it was back in, uh, it was back in November, I believe it was. Um, I was teamed up with a kid that, uh, I was teamed up with a kid, it was Anthony, uh, we took him trap shooting and all that stuff because we were planning on taking him hunting, and, and they put him with me, and let me just tell you this, my dad never took me hunting, he said it was a quiet sport, 
I can't make this stuff up, okay? Uh, and, they, and so they paired Anthony with me. And Now, I'm not naive. I know how to set up a gun. I know how to do all of that stuff. And so we get into the blind. We set it up. And, and I, this is just a quick story, but, it, boy, glory to God goes to it, okay? Uh, we set up the gun. We're waiting. The sun comes up, and there's this deer eating what I call, you know, the yellow brick road of corn, okay? I mean, it's just lined out. And uh, Anthony says, Brother Ryan, look, there's a deer. Now, need mind you, I ain't never been hunting before. All I know is the pictures that they said of deer that we can shoot, okay? And all they're showing us is these bucks. And they're saying, you know, shoot around here and all that stuff. So I see this deer and I say, Anthony, man, I know you want to, but you can't shoot that deer. And he said, why? Because it ain't got no antlers on it. (laughs) All the pictures showed antlers. You can't shoot it. Okay. So we're watching this deer eat this corn for about 10 minutes. The belly is just getting, you know. And the guy who was guiding us, he texted me. He's like, how's it going? I said, the Lord is being so cruel to us right now. And he said, why? And I sent him a picture of this deer. I mean, by this point, the deer has already got a drink and, you know, got a lawn chair sitting there and all that. <laughs> I mean, just nothing, nothing wrong. And, and you, know, you, you know what this man had the nerve to tell me? He said, that's a doe. Take it down. And so Anthony shot the deer. Amen. That deer dropped right where it was at. That's not the end of the story. So I'm excited. I said, dude, you got a deer. And he's like, dude, I got a deer. They're like, what do we do with it? I don't know. I have no idea. I was about to call you, actually. And so I text the guy, and I said, all right, we got it. He's like, great job. I said, what do we do? And he said, just leave it there. I don't think it's going anywhere. And I, I didn't ask, are you sure, and all that. 45 minutes later, the deer's cousins come out. I guess he called them on the cell phone. I don't know. And they start eating around this dead deer, eating all this corn around this dead deer. I don't know if they didn't see Fred just laying down on the ground. I, I, don't, I don't really know what the deal was. But one deer came out, and then another deer came out. Brother Farrell, before, before it was time, five deer were out there just eating around this dead deer, y'all. It was the strangest thing I ever seen in my entire life. I said, why would, if I see a body, I'm not going to be sticking around until someone with a gun comes around and then we'll, you know. But these deer are, some of them are dumb. (laughs) First time interacting with them, okay? So I tell Anthony, I said, I I hear the side by side. You might want to take a shot. And he said, all right, which one do I shoot? Ain't none of them got antlers on at all. And so I said, shoot that one right there. And he said, why that one? And I said, because it's the same color as the one you shot before. It's, <laughs> we know that color's legal. It's okay. And uh, he takes the shot. He hit the wrong deer, y'all. He shot the wrong deer. Naturally, I'm scared because it's not, it's not legal. And, 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 and he's like, what, what's the matter? Why isn't it legal? It's not legal because it ain't the same color. That's, it ain't got no antlers. It ain't got... Anyway, long story short, it was perfectly legal. Anthony's first time shooting a deer, he shot two of them. And, uh, and just every weekend, they make deer jerky and deer chili. And I really don't understand the purpose of deer chili, but besides that, um, what a blessing it is to be able to take these kids out and have fun something that they're not able to do on a normal basis. Um, me, myself, uh, I grew up in some forms of foster care, and the thing is, is 
Um, the first time I ever went fishing was with my foster dad. Uh, his name was Don Dosher, and uh, he took me out deep sea fishing one day. And I guess you can get loud when you're deep sea fishing because he wouldn't take me on a pond. But nonetheless, um, to give these kids a chance to do things that they normally wouldn't be able to do, um, let me just say this even more so, um, to allow these kids to continue living as a child is what we want to do. There's no reason why their, why their time should just pause and everything should be taken away because of mistakes that other people have made. We want to make sure that we raise their, these kids the best that we possibly can. If the Lord has given us the responsibility to raise these children in such a difficult time of their lives, we should, we should do the best that we can to do so. Amen? All of our kids go to public school. Um, they... Uh, some of your kids may know some of these kids. Uh, we don't really try to, uh, we don't try to make a big hubbub about it. We don't do anything like that. All of our kids go to church. Um, every time the church doors are open, our kids are there. Um, and and I, let me just say this. I love you guys, so I don't mean this disrespectfully. But I say this at every church, and I don't see any reason to, to change it. Um, our kids go to church more than some of your kids go to church. I mean, that's just being honest. And I would say that at any church, every time, because we want them to have a relationship with their youth group. We want them to have a relationship with the church. We want them to grow just like anybody else. And when we go to church, we all go to church together because we want them to know that this is the way life should be. And so that being said, we, t we want to take care of our kids. Um, not every kid will uh, go to college. Not every kid will uh, go to trade school. Not every kid will graduate. And the thing is, that's going to be their decision. But if they choose to stay with us at 18, um, we ask them that they just continue their education. We recognize that not every kid is going to make it to that four-year college or even want to go to that four-year college. Well, not every kid is going to want to go into a trade school, uh, but every kid deserves a chance to have some form of continuing education. Um, you know, 10 years ago, everybody was pushing college, 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 college. Uh, now we have a generation that doesn't know how to change a tire, and, and that's just being honest about it. Um, and so whatever education that they choose to do, we want to make sure that we help facilitate that. And upon their graduation, um, whether it be trade school or whether it be college, uh, we want to take care of them. And so what we're going to do is, is we're going to give them between eight to $13,000 uh, at the end of their graduation. So that way they can make that transition into an individual adulthood. And we want to make sure that they're taken care of with that. Um, none of the funds that are sent to us by donations, uh, none of those funds touch that eight to $13,000 because it's a trust that have been set aside many, many, many years ago. And so we want to give them the best start possible. And we want to make sure that, um, just like it says on our sign, changing legacies. Changing legacies. At the beginning of, uh, well, it was on Wednesday... And I'm going to close my presentation with this. Um, on Wednesday, I got to meet a kid that no longer exists. Sounds weird, doesn't it? And I can use his name now because uh, he's no longer in our care. But when he came to us, his name was Jack Colbreth. And Jack was with us for a couple years. Jack had some failed adoptions. Jack had some issues. And, and when I say failed adoptions, I'm talking about um, when his own family heard that he was in foster care, they stepped up and they wanted to, they, we'll take care of him. We're, we're going to do that. 
And so they go ahead and they take Jack and his sister. Well, when they found out that uh, because you're family, you don't get any subsidies from the state, they no longer wanted Jack. So they brought Jack back. Can you imagine the pain that that would cause a young boy? The pain it would cause a young girl? Well, then, about a year later, a couple came in and they wanted to adopt. And so we went through the process. And I'm so thankful to let you guys know that on Wednesday, the adoption took place. Jack had the opportunity to change his name. He could change it to his first name to anything that he wanted. Now, for those of you that are biblical scholars, you'll, you'll appreciate this. Jack Colbreth never exists. No longer exists anymore. But Judah has now taken root. His name is Judah Kovu. His last name has been the same name of those that adopted him. What a blessing that is to say I once knew a kid that no longer exists because legacies have changed. And that's what we're all about, changing legacies. Some kids go back to their family. Some kids don't. But in the time of the time that they're taken away to the time they get either reunited or unified, we stand in that gap and we teach them about Jesus. And that's what we want to do. Are there any questions before we begin preaching? I'm either that bad or that good. All right, fair warning. Last chance. If you have any other questions, uh, or any for that matter, uh, I'll be over at the booth. Uh, I do want to recommend that you pick up these handy-dandy things right here. They're not for sale. They're free. Um, depending on what state you're in, uh, they take on different forms, okay? Uh, I was in Louisiana, and they said that it's a gun cleaner for a 22 caliber pistol. I was in Oklahoma, and they said that it was an ear cleaner. Don't put that in your ear. Um, I, was in I was in Texas, and they said it was a take-home COVID test. I said yes. Um, Anyway, we have a number of these out there. Uh, at the end of the day, they're straws, okay? If someone asks you why you're using a COVID test as a straw, just say it's okay. Um, nonetheless, though, there's a number of things out there. More importantly than gifts and little things like this, uh, there's brochures out there that, that tell about our home. There's pictures of our kids. And I'd like you just to take a look at those pictures and, uh, and, and make it a point to pray for all of those children. Uh, some of those children on those posters are some that are going to be returning to us on the 19th. And uh, I would, uh, more than anything else, more than any type of monetary gift that anyone would think of, here's what I ask for more than anything else. I would ask for prayer, not just for our students, but for the house parents as well. Our house parents put in their love, they put in their time, they love these children as their own, only to say goodbye to them within a year, two years, three years. The longer it takes for them to leave, the harder it is. And if you could just imagine the, emotion, the emotional trauma that house parents go through to do that on a continual basis. So that being said, open your Bibles up to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Um, I know that uh, we have a limited time and that's okay. I will not hold you until 2 o'clock like last time. 
Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, we talk about uh, the perfect sacrifice. And, and, and let me just tell you this. When it comes down to uh, our, our source of comfort, we, we question some things. Uh, there's some things that should be questioned in our minds. Uh, all of these times that we look for comfort, so many times we, we look for it in the wrong direction. And I'm reminded there was, a, uh, there was a preacher that gave this illustration, and I just thought, man, this is a really neat illustration. It was a couple that lived in Minnesota and they're getting tired of the weather. It snows all the time, and they, and they just can't stand it. So they decided, let's take a trip down to Miami. Let's go down there and just, and just feel the warmth of the, uh, of, of the ocean. Let's enjoy the gulf. Let's enjoy the palm trees. Let's, let's just do that for a little while. And, and so, okay, well, let's go ahead and get plane tickets. And uh, because of their scheduling, they weren't able to get plane tickets together, and so the husband went down first. And after he got to his hotel... He decided to send his wife an email to, to let her know that, that he was okay. Uh, now, at the same time, in Houston, there was a, there was a young lady who had lost her husband. And um, she was very distraught about it. And it just so happened it was that very day that they had buried him. Well, the husband in Miami, he, he sent this email, but he, he missed one letter on the email. And it got sent to this lady who was just coming back from the funeral. And in this email that the husband was supposed to send to his wife in Minnesota, it went to the widow that was in Houston. And it started off saying this, From your departed husband, I have arrived safely. It's hotter here than expected, <laughs> but arrangements have been made, and we're looking forward to seeing you in the next two days. Could you imagine? I couldn't imagine that at all. Now, I can't tell you if that, story, if that illustration is real or if it's not, um, but we find comfort in certain things. And, and the husband wanted to give his wife comfort by telling her, I've made it here, it's fine, arrangements have been made, we're looking forward to seeing you, uh, where the other woman was looking for comfort and your departed husband. Uh, kind of weird. We look for comfort in many different areas and many different sorts of our lives. And, and a lot of times, you know, we find uh, uh, comfort in our salvation, but we may not have that correct either. For some people in our nation, we're taught to believe that if you just go to church, you're, uh, you're saved. Uh, for some in our nation, they say, well, you don't have to go to church. You can uh, just all around the world. You don't have to go to church. As long as you do good works, uh, that'll get you into heaven. Um, let me just say, if you're a church that believes that, you're wrong. If you believe that today, you're wrong because it's not of works that, that we have done. Uh, Titus 3.5 says that. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but it's what Jesus Christ had done. And in the Old Testament, they, they, they would sacrifice bulls and goats and they, and they would do burnt offerings and they would do all of these things uh, because that, that's what was required of them by the law. And at the time, they were doing what was right. They were doing what God had asked them to do, but what they did not understand was this was just an image of what was to come. This was just something uh, just to kind of hold and suffice because at the end of the day, the blood of bulls and goats cannot take sins away from us. It cannot happen. It can't happen just as much as doing good works can't make a wrong a right. You cannot do it. No matter how much good you do in your life, 
if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you didn't hit the mark. It's just that simple. Uh, the word sin, uh, it, the, the definition of sin uh, is perfect in this, and that's why they use this word sin. Uh, sin literally means, it's, a, it's, a, it's an archery term, sin literally means missing the mark. You miss the mark. You don't get it right. You don't hit the bullseye. You don't hit your target. You have sinned. You missed the mark. Romans 3.23 says, For what? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you don't hit the bullseye, then you didn't get the point. Is that not how archery works at times? If, if you're required to hit a certain target and you do not hit that target, well, you didn't hit the target. You missed you came short of that reward. You came short of that prize. You came short of, of the end. You're not going to make it to the finals because you have sinned. You're not going to make it to heaven right now because you have sinned. And your way of trying to make up this sin is to try and do good works. Try to help people across the street. Try to give uh, as much as you can uh, to the donations. Try to, try to feed people. Try to do all of these things. Try to, try to be everything to everybody except a child of God to the Lord. Why is that? Why do we try so hard to do all these things? And over in, over in, in, in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, it, it will begin in verse 1. It says, for, for the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For when they would not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should, should have had no more conscience of sin. But in these sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. And, and, and here's, the, here's a verse to remember for you. For it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. That should be obvious for us. It should be. But in the same sense, as I said before, if the blood of bulls and goats can't take away our sins, neither can our good works. There was a man that once said, uh, if you think good works will get you to heaven, you need to understand the truth. And the truth of the matter is, is that even our good works is an extension of our selfishness. It is. It's an extension of our selfishness. And you might think, okay, well, if I give anonymously, uh, I can't be selfish off that. But at the end of the day, you know what you're doing? Man, these people don't know what I do. These people don't know how much I give. These people don't know what I do in the background, and, and that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I, I'm, praying, uh, I'm praying in my prayer closet. I'm fasting to where no one can see. I'm doing all of these things. They, I, there ain't no way they're going to get near me. Even our good works is an extension of our selfishness. Just because it's not shown publicly doesn't mean that we don't take that pride privately. Does that make sense? And so he continues on, the, the writer does, and, and in, verse, uh, in verse 5 it says this, Wherefore, when he cometh, into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. 
and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin that has had no pleasure. And, and, and we see this body. We know what this body is. This body was, was first conceived by the Holy Spirit. And, and when born, this body was, was laid in a manger. And then uh, when the time came, this, 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 this child was taken to the temple for dedication. And then when the time came, this child is now a man who, who is the son of a carpenter, but yet has now taken his own ministry into his own hands. And he begins to preach the word. And he begins to come to save the people. And he, he, he doesn't come, as we were talking about in Sunday, Sunday school. He doesn't come to end the oppression of the Romans who, who had control of the world at the time, but instead he comes to end the oppression of sin. All of us are held down and chained down by our own sins. Whether you are saved or not, we are still held down by our sins in a sense of how we allow it to control our lives. If you make an effort to hide your sin, then you're held down by your sin. And that's, that's tough to say. Because we're all ashamed of some things. I've said it here before, and I'll just say it again for, uh, for this here. Uh, what is your favorite sin? What is that sin you enjoy doing? What is that sin that you may do it openly? Or what is that sin that you, you do privately? What is that sin that you just thrive on that, you know what, Lord, I can take care of this one. I, I know I can handle this one on myself. I, I, I don't need your help with it, but we continuously go back to that sin and slowly it begins to separate us. Slowly it begins to take hold of us. And you might think, no, not mine, not right now. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, I'm just going to go to church more. I'm going to be more active. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to make sure that my relationship with God is good. And I'm going to start praying and I'm going to start reading my Bible. And I'm going to, you can do all of that stuff, but until you apply the act of, of, of repentance into your life, you're going to struggle. And let me just say this. Um, if you have put the act of repentance in your life, if you've said, okay, I'm going to make a true effort to stay away from this and you still struggle with it, um, you may disagree with this. And that's okay. It's okay to struggle. If you don't struggle with your sin, then you're not really trying. It's okay to struggle. It shows that you fight. When you see a football team that, that, that's down by many points and, and, and you see them struggling to get, to, to, to get more points and you see them running faster and you see them blocking more and you see them, they're struggling uh, just, to get, just to get the score a little bit higher so it can at least be even. They're, they're pushing themselves to do more. Um, that, that's what's required. If you're in the middle of, of repentance and you're trying your best to stay away from this sin and you're struggling, don't beat yourself up every single time that you fall. Just get back up again and, 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 and push forward again. You're not going to be... I don't want to say that. Through Christ, anything is possible, but you have to recognize that we live in a fleshly body. You're going to struggle. And it's okay to struggle. But don't stop. Keep pushing forward. 
Christ died on the cross for our sins. There's a reason why Christ died on the cross for our sins and he chose himself uh, because he was perfect. He was blameless. He was holy. He lived his life for 33 years without one sin. So for that very moment, for those six hours that he would be on the cross, he would be the perfect sacrifice. He knows we struggle. That's why he chose to be the sacrifice. Because he knows that we struggle. Let me clarify. I'm not saying it's okay to sin. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, is don't beat yourself up every time you fall. It's okay to struggle. The sin comes when you choose not to struggle any longer. When you choose just to fall into that sin again. Push forward. That's just a side note. Now, I'd like you to just turn your attention. We're going we're gonna to skip just a, a few verses just so I can get to uh, my last part. Verse 11. Exodus chapter 10, verse 11. He gives us a scene where you have, you have the high priests that are standing continuously offering sacrifices day after day after day because people just continue to come in with their sin day after day after day. And, and, and he shows this image that it's just repetitive continuously over and over and over and over and over again, which we know uh, insanity is just continuous, continuously doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. Um, these priests are standing there on the daily. In verse 11, it says this, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Um, but this man, but this man. So wherever you stand in life, wherever you are, wherever you struggle, however you struggle, how, what, no matter how much time it takes, whatever it's going to be, you need to understand that the end of sin rests in this verse right here. And it says, but this man... Understand the verse before it says you have priests coming in over and over, uh, sacrificing this, oftentimes the same sacrifice continuously. Come on back. Come on back. Come on back. Keep coming. Keep coming. But this man, there's a reason why it says but. But means that there's a change here. And not only is there a change, it's a permanent change. Never go back. But this man... After he had offered one sacrifice. In the verse before it says that these, these priests were offering sacrifices, oftentimes the same one, continuously over and over and over. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice, what did he do? But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for the sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. What do you do when you go home and you get your shower? What do you do? You sit down. You're done. No more work to be done. You come home after a hard day's work, no matter what you do, whether you sit in an office or you're on a job site, no matter what you do, when you come home and you get cleaned up, you sit down because you're done. Jesus lived his life for 33 years on this earth among us, interacting with us. 
laughing with us, crying with us, experiencing temptation like us. And when he offered himself one sacrifice, he sat down because it was done. As much as I'd like to stop there, I've got one last verse. It's the icing on the cake. It's the cherry on top. It's the barbecue sauce on the ribs. It's the ketchup on the burger. This is the last thing here. We could end there and it would be enough to know that our sins are taken away by Jesus Christ. To know that all we have to do is accept him as our personal savior. To to know that he will always be there for us. That he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Oh yes, we can just stop right there and it would be enough. But this one here, this next verse, this is, this is the topper. From henceforth, remember, he's sitting on the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. It's not enough just for us, but all those who are against Christ all those that persecute us, all those that criticize us, all those that hurt us, all those that, 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 that look at us because we go to church and that, that criticize us, that roll their eyes, all of these things. He says, he, say, that he sits on the right-hand side of God and even the enemies, they won't be done away with, no. No, 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 no. They're going to be made to shame. They're going to be made a footstool. Can you imagine that? It's not just our sins that are taken care of. It's our worries. It's our fears. It's our sadness. It's our sorrow. It's those things that hold us back from serving him. It's those things that, that, that hurt us in this journey we call life. Not only has Christ died for our sins, but he says, I'm going to take care of even more than that. As we stand today and our musicians come up, uh, I ask. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Central Word Podcast. Our prayer is that this episode will help you in your walk with Christ as we dive into God's Word each week. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you in the week to come.